Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Millennium Live. My name is Kaylee Allen, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Adam Gale, who is the co-founder and CEO of Class. Class was founded with a desire to help providers and now payers find transparency in the healthcare IT marketplace. Class's goal is to bring data and insights to the market and to shine a light on healthcare IT. And I'm really excited for this conversation. Adam, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Kaylee, for having me today. It's always fun to share some of the things that we're learning. And we're happy to have you too. Um, So just to get started, can you give our listeners a little bit of a background on you and then also about class? Yeah, I I hate to say this, but I'm, I'm a funny combination of someone with ADD that's been at their same job for 25 years. And when I say same job, you know, one of the being one of the co-founders of class and having that goal to just bring transparency to the market, I've now done every job at class basically. So it's it's debatable whether I was so good at every one of those jobs that I became the CEO or so bad that they're like, look, we cannot have you editing any more documents. So <laughs> Uh, so, so it's a pleasure to be here, and it's fun for us to get to talk to so many healthcare providers and payers and just get their candid insights on what's really happening, because typically there's a side you see in marketing and maybe in the media, and then there's another side which you really only get by digging in with, with individuals to get you know the real story. Interesting, and I mean, hopefully you just did so well at all those jobs that they bumped you up to CEO. I feel well, like that's probably- that- case. <laughs> they haven't fired me yet. So that's a good sign. And I love what I get to do and the folks I get to work with. So, so coming to work is, is not one of those heavy things every day. It's, it's usually fun. Good. Well, that's the most important thing. Um, and I just want to talk to you a little bit more about some current events. I want to really dive into that. And obviously you're coming on the heels of Vive and Chime coupled with the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. What are some healthcare IT trends that you see for 2022? Yeah, so it was interesting being at some of those conferences, the Vive and Hims, and other things that, that have just been happening as the year kicks off. Every year, it feels like there's kind of a theme, like what is that theme? And I was tempted to reprise a few themes of the past, but I think there is a really crisp just drumbeat that I'm hearing, and that's around staffing. And, and everywhere I turn, there's a challenge with staffing, whether that's a restaurant here locally or whether that's talking about physicians and nurses at these health systems who are have just gone through some of the most intense craziness uh, medically we've had in a long time. So even just normal, normal health systems trying to find someone t- to staff the front desk. Uh, almost every place you turn, there's a staffing challenge. challenge. And, uh, and, and in terms of the tech around that, there's some obvious pieces. You've got staffing solutions that schedule and and do a number of those things. But I think some of the most interesting pieces tie to automation, automation of tasks that we usually usually just said, look, let me hire a a $15 an hour person to just go do this repetitive thing, whether that's let me go look up who the payer is and plug in something from a website or, you know, whatever that may be, to how do we automate this and how do we even include some self-service in that since most patients actually like some of the self-service where they can go and, and drive things themselves and not have to wait or make a phone call. So, so we're seeing a lot around that. We're seeing a lot um, around HR tools, around ERP, and, and how that ties to just raising talent pools. 
And then, and then we see the, the last buzzword I'm going to throw out here is AI. AI helping with staffing challenges, and that's chatbots and other things that exist there. And, and in fact, as I was at HIMSS, several people mentioned that they thought AI was the theme of, of HIMSS. And, and it was probably six years ago, and every year since, there's been a discussion about AI. And I think the biggest challenge there is AI is not the end. It's not the solution, like, like the, the outcome. It's the path potentially to get there. So the biggest mistake I've seen from some of these technology companies is talking about AI, like we have AI, versus, no, we're going to use some really intelligent pieces in the background to help you staff better or to help you, you know, reduce burnout or whatever the goal is going to be. So I see some of that changing, but still too much to sort of chatter about AI, and, and AI makes a lot of people shrug today. Very interesting. I had a feeling that you would say something about staffing and retention and the great resignation. Uh, I feel like that's all you hear about these days in any industry, but especially healthcare, um, for sure. And then I guess you might have gotten to this, but can you just expand a little bit more on the use of technology to improve the patient experience in particular this year? Yeah, and I'd say that's one of the biggest opportunities we have in healthcare. We've been great at figuring out how to increase quality and how to just how to do a lot of things in healthcare. But we're we're now several years into trying to really engage the patient in a way that makes sense for them. And and there's just so many gaps still. And and let, let me give just a few examples. So as we we've gone out and talked to and gotten feedback from a whole bunch of patients, thousands and thousands over the last six months. And the biggest message that came from that was they want easier self-registration, easier self-scheduling. And by the way, there's a lot of benefit to this. We learned that when a patient self-schedules, they're also much more likely to actually show up at the appointment. So places we're spending a lot of money to send messages to the patients so they show up and we keep the schedule full, there, there's probably even some better ways to keep it full, like allowing them to schedule. Now, now, just if I can share a personal story that makes me chuckle, about three years ago, I got a note, a text that said, hey, you have an appointment on Friday, please text yes, if you can make it. And I thought, well, first off, thanks for the reminder, and I actually can't make it. And, and I thought, okay, there's no option for type no, type, you know, what are my other options? And so I just tried it, you know, just to be irritating. I typed in no, and, and I never heard anything Again, like so, so I don't know where that no went. I like probably nowhere. And and then about a month ago, I got a note from a different health system that I was going to see, but pretty much the same message. Hey, you know, you have a, uh, an appointment on Friday. Type yes if you can come. But this one said type an N if you can't come or an R to reschedule. And I thought this is awesome because now all of a sudden you've given me the capability as the patient. To, to just take more control over when, when I'm going to be there and how it works for me. And so I typed back just to check this out. I typed an R for reschedule and it came back with a text that said, we see you want to reschedule. You just need to call this phone number to reschedule. And I thought, well, that's the exact same thing I had to do three years ago, which was if I want to change something, I have to make a phone call. Mm -hmm. So it feels like some of the basics that we're trying to do, we're just not there yet that the patients really want. 
And, uh, and, and even then I was on the phone with a, a CIO at a major health system yesterday who said, this is their biggest struggle, getting patients engaged and involved it, and, and having access the way the patients want to have access is their biggest challenge. And it doesn't feel like we're, we're as close as we want to be because that's going to take some platforms that, that tie patients wherever they want to connect. And today we have some pretty nice individual solutions that go tackle a specific problem like messaging or scheduling or whatever, and not enough that handle kind of the patient from beginning to end. So, so that's, that's the holy grail and we're just not, we're not there yet. Yeah, it sounds like there's progress being made, but a lot to improve on, a lot to really engage the patient and hopefully make everyone's experience better on both ends. Yeah, and, and in fact, one other quick thing, one of the biggest things that the health system said they wanted on the patient side was easier patient satisfaction surveys. And, and, and that's obvious because they're getting compensated for some of those things. That was the very bottom of the patient's list. So they said, look, I don't really care about your patient surveys. And, and that's okay. They don't, they don't get paid. They don't tie into that. But just, just the discrepancy of what we're working on, where the health system wants those surveys, the patient wants something else, and, and, and we're not quite connecting there. And then the, the third thing patients said they wanted were prescription refills. And I thought, well, can't we do prescription refills? That feels pretty straightforward. Uh, and, and I know oftentimes you can with your practice. But with the pharmacy, I even thought, how do I get a refill at my pharmacy? I call them up. I type in a bunch of codes of what my prescription refill number is. It goes through this automated system. And so it feels like something from 10, 15 years ago versus I go on my app, I click the button refill. And, and actually, it sends it to me at some point at my house because I, I can order something on Amazon this morning, get it tonight but my meds, I still sort of tromp to the pharmacy. So anyway, we're making progress. I don't want to make it sound like we're not, but there's just a long ways to go still. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different needs. There's a lot happening there. And I guess while we're on the topic of, you know, healthcare solutions, what is class doing, you know, to help these organizations understand, you know, what's having the biggest impact or successes? We're always trying to think in those providers uh, you know, put ourselves in their, in their shoes. And it's interesting, we measure like 140 different areas, you know, in the pharmacy, in the revenue cycle areas, and these are services and software. So we measure lots of areas, but I still get tons of, of clinical leaders, IT leaders, and others who are calling and saying, Adam, I get 50 calls a week, texts, emails, people showing up in my office about stuff that is new, like it's not in any of these kind of existing areas that we've looked at. It's all emerging areas and emerging technology. And so, so we've been trying to, to at least begin to fill some of that gap. Um, if, if you imagine there's probably, I don't know, 2,500, let's just say emerging solutions, new tech out there that, that could be looked at. We've done a drill down on 100. So we're a, a year, year and a half in, we've looked at 100 and essentially asking two questions, which the first one is strange to me. It's like, what does this actually do? Because in the early days of class, no one asked, what does a lab system do? Like you just know what it does. So these systems, we're trying to figure out what does it do? And then second, how well does it do it? So we feel like we're just at the tip of the iceberg measuring what these, what these new emerging solutions are gonna do. 
And by the way, they all have names that you have never heard. Funky punctuation, you know, punctuation or capitalization or spelling. But but some of them are fascinating. There really are some great up and coming players out there. Very interesting. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what's to come. And speaking of what's to come, you know, recently there have been some significant vendor acquisitions. What impact do you think these acquisitions will have in the next year or two? And how much other major M&A activity do you anticipate this year? Yeah, um, there's a lot in there. So let me just give a few <laughs> thoughts on that. The, the most disappointing thing is that a lot of these acquisitions make sense financially and actually have a reasonable financial return at the end of the day. Many of them don't actually help the health systems get where they want to get. So. So as we look at it, we use a different uh, lens and not so much is it going to provide a financial return to the buyer, but is the health system, is the payer, is the patient at the end of the day going to benefit? And I think, I think we probably see that they do a third of the time, which, which is not nearly as often as we would like to see. So, so uh, it's not that it can't happen. It just is, I think you have to be really thoughtful. So you look at, uh, you know, change in optum which is a huge merger. You look at Oracle and Cerner and Thrive and TransUnion. There's a bunch, a bunch of these happening out there today. And, and all of them have a storyline where it could be a positive, but I think it, it takes a really unique leadership team to get it there where they, where they think more about the, the customer than the dollar signs at the end. Um, but let me give just a couple of places where I think this will be impactful. Two of those big uh, acquisitions are in the revenue cycle space with NThrive and Change. And I guess I should use NThrive's new name, FinThrive, but I'm just not quite habituated to that yet. That They are working to create platforms that health systems can use to, to run a lot of their revenue cycle. And we've been talking about this for, I don't know, five years or 15 years or, or many years, but we're still just not quite there where health systems actually are willing to give up their best of breeds and move to a a larger enterprise system. So I think we'll see that over the next few years, the pioneers jumping in with some of these broader platforms. And then moving to the patient engagement side, I think we're five years behind the revenue cycle platforms where there's still all these point solutions. There will be a lot of acquisitions over the next several years. And, and who can build out that platform to, uh, you know, to just tackle, again, where the patient is and how they want to be engaged with. Um, and then let me give one other example of acquisitions we're seeing. There's Simpler and RL Datix who are out there acquiring lots of operational and quality type companies. It feels like they're almost building a new space in the market, which is somewhere between the EMR and the ERP, which is, so this is scheduling, credentialing, all kinds of operational type pieces that I think over time will be People will buy those as platforms, but in the meantime, these these standalone solutions will do just fine because we're just not there in people thinking about this. Although the building of the platforms is is starting to happen. Exciting, yeah. There's a lot of change. It sounds like, and a lot of things on the horizon. Yes, which is always fun. And by the way, the valuations of these companies are still very high today. So, so I think we're seeing some of the acquisitions slow down. But uh, there's lots of discussions about valuations dropping over time as the market sort of corrects. So, so I would anticipate still lots and lots of, of acquisitions in this market. 
very interesting. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what's to come as the months go on, you know, throughout the year. And there's one more thing I want to talk about um, before we wrap up our time here. Yeah. And it's a hot topic. It's clinician burnout. Um, it's become a major issue today. What progress do you see being made in helping improve that clinician experience related to their use of technology in providing patient care? So that is that is a hot, hot topic. You know, thinking about nurses leaving, the great resignation, physicians who are getting burned out. And it's interesting, as we looked at burnout a couple of years ago, IT was not a key, it was a factor, but probably not the key factor in that. You look at the last two years and there are, there's just a lot more burnout and that, I mean, a lot of obvious reasons, COVID, um, patients who are frustrating, who, who won't listen to the physician's uh, recommendations. There's just a bunch of things that I think get to, get to pain and, and, and as we've done our surveying, 60% of the clinicians who are completely burned out said they're likely to leave in the next two years. So, so you could have this great resignation of physicians uh, as well at some point, like we've seen from some of the nursing sides uh, where people are, gonna ha are having to bring in staffing agencies and bring in a lot of outside nurses uh, into their organizations. Well, one of the things I'd love to say is that we've seen a lot of progress on this and we just haven't yet in terms of helping with the burnout, helping clinicians with their tools. And the reality is the last two years with COVID, most organizations just haven't been able to focus on that. They've been putting out the fires of how do you just take care of patients. But, uh, but I can see very specific spots where health systems are starting to focus on it. There are ways where they don't have to spend a lot of money where they can move the needle with unique training, changing a little bit of their governance where it's more responsive, just a lot of things that are having real impacts. And the funny thing to me is most of these things are learned by health systems that are off the beaten path, that were forced to try something new because they didn't have the budget or they didn't have you know, the, the teams that some other places have. So, so we're learning from some off the beaten path health systems about how to really get, uh, get the technology in line with the, the clinicians, which is exciting for us. Yeah, that is exciting. Sometimes you know, when you don't have the resources, but you need to make it happen, you know, push comes to shove. Adam, it's been so awesome sitting down and meeting you and talking with you today. Do you have any final words or any final thoughts that you want to give our audience? You know, only this. I've been able to talk with a lot of the best-in-class vendors over the last few months as we've awarded those and cheered them on for what they've done. But the reality is we need the bar to raise in healthcare. So Wherever we are, even those at the top, the bar keeps going up to connect with patients, bring better quality and, and bring the cost down. So it's, it, it feels like we haven't arrived. And if we pat ourselves on the back too hard, we're going to feel silly, you know, with, with how much we still have to do. So, so just the continued challenge to be creative, you know, raise the bar and, and drive forward progress for, for patients, especially would be my challenge today. For sure. Thank you so much, Adam. Really appreciate you having, uh, having you on today and we will talk to you soon. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Millennium Live to listen and learn on life and leadership.